The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Uh, take your Bibles to the book of Proverbs chapter 1. And when you find it, please stand. Proverbs 1, chapter 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the king of... Uh, I'm sorry. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction. To perceive the words of understanding. To receive the instruction of of wise, of wisdom, justice and judgment and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will increase, will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, what a privilege it is to to be here, to stand in this place and preach your word. Father, how awesome it is and great responsibility that this is. But somehow, Lord, you have seen fit fit to put it in the hands of sinful men to declare your word to, to sinners. Father, I pray that you will give me the the wisdom that I need in this hour to preach your word, to bless somebody, Lord, anybody in here who doesn't know you as Savior, pray, Lord, that tonight will be that, that day when they'll turn to you for salvation and they'll begin a new life. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. You don't have to wonder in this book who wrote it. We know who wrote it. In, in verse 1 of chapter 1, tells you that it was written by King Solomon. To instruct, to warn, and to admonish. It begins with instruction for young people. And as you read the book, it opens up to many areas of life where godly wisdom is needed to overcome the wisdom of the world. Spiritual maturity is what we're going to be talking about tonight. I think that for a pastor, that is the hope of every pastor to see every new Christian really get into the Word. Parents, you know, we hope to see our children develop a desire not only to serve the Lord, but to really show that they are children of God. And for young people, it's very difficult for them to live their lives in a world that hates everything that is godly, especially in the days we're living in, in the area where we are right now. Without question, uh, King Solomon was the wisest man on earth apart from Jesus Christ. But he tells us in the book of Ecclesiastes, after he tried everything that is pleasing to the flesh under the sun, that all is vanity without God. First Kings uh, 4.29 says, And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much and largeness of heart 
even as the sand that is on the seashore. First Kings 4.32 says, And he spake 3,000 proverbs, and, and his songs were 1,005. What we have here in the scriptures is only a portion of all the things he wrote. In your Bible, King Solomon is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. We read in, in, in John 21, 25 says, and, this, and there are also many things which Jesus did, that which if they should be written, everyone, I suppose that even the world itself cannot contain the books that should be written. Amen. What you find in the book of Proverbs is a wealth of wisdom that can be used in practical everyday living. Everywhere you go, you can use this. One guy I read said that King Solomon wrote this book to instruct and to admonish his sons. And I don't know if that's true or not. I just know that being a parent is a very hard job. It's not an easy thing. And that's because you can either be too harsh on them, too strict, or too passive. And trying to find that perfect balance is just impossible. And in the times we're living in right now, it's even more difficult, more challenging, because we have pollution of every kind out there, and for them, with all this technology we have available, it's easy for them to have access to it. The devil knows what it takes to destroy people, and he's really, really busy right now. And you've got to stay on guard at all times. Satan spends a lot of time messing up everything that is good and pleasing to God. And when a nation loses the value of the Bible, wisdom goes out the window. And the people are left to wonder in confusion. So we need the wisdom of God and may God help us to raise our children to be strong Christians and to be willing to take a stand and never compromise with the world. Let's begin here. So, verse 2 says, To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding. Why is it that we, need, that we need wisdom? Why do we need instruction? To know wisdom and instruction. And what do we, what do we mean by wisdom? It's sad when you, when you walk around on the streets out there, and you approach a man, an average man or a woman, and you ask them to tell you the difference between wisdom and knowledge. I'm surprised that not a lot of people know the answer to that. But that's because they have, many of them have a lot of knowledge, but they have no wisdom. To know wisdom indicates the idea to obtain the ability to draw judgment in moral and spiritual issues. Real wisdom in the Bible is set over against the wisdom of the world. Biblical wisdom, wisdom is set as diamonds are set against garbage. Please, Jason, he can probably tell you about that. Biblical wisdom is what makes the difference between the saved and the lost. Biblical wisdom should be in the mind of every person who claims the name of Jesus Christ. And it should be obvious to everyone who knows a Christian that we defile the name of Christ just by the way we act. 
if you are a Christian, the people who think and know that you are a Christian, there should be no, no guess. They shouldn't have to guess that you belong to, to Jesus Christ. The wisdom of the world is, do what makes you happy. If it feels good, do it. That's what they tell you. Nobody tells me what to do. I demand my rights. It is my body and I do whatever I want with it. And so on. That's the wisdom of the world. James 3, 15, 16, and 17 reads like this. The wisdom, this wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. You know, one of the things that we are accused of all the time and when you go out there and try to witness the people is Christians are hypocrites. And it's true, you know. We, some of us do behave like hypocrites. So I, I came up with a line. I always tell them, you know, it's true. I can't deny that. In our church, there's always room for one more. Come see us. You know? Instruction carries another idea, which is the idea of training a child by correcting that child, disciplining them, because you only have a very short time. Once children reach about nine, ten years old, forget it. It's gone. There's nothing you can do. When he does good, you reward him. You praise him. Tell him he did a great job. But when he doesn't, you know what to do. Uh, Proverbs 20.11 says, Even a child is known by his doings, whether his works be pure and whether it be right. Every parent knows that authority is challenged by young people. They don't like to hear about it. But if you have dealt with young people for any length of time, you know that somebody has to be in charge. Someone has to call the shots. And somebody's will has to be broken. And we have a phrase out there that we use all the time, you know, look up to. There's a reason why we say that, look up to. Young people need to know and understand clearly who runs the show because if they learn to disrespect mom and dad at home, they'll have no problem once they, once they grow up to disrespect their teachers, their boss, the police, or anyone on authority over them. It all begins at home, and from there it trickles out to every level of society. And you see that teachers are having a hard time trying to deal with young people in the classroom. I strongly believe in the golden rule, and that is, he who owns the, the gold rules. And so in my house I rule because I own the gold. Verse 2 uh, concludes with, to perceive the words of understanding. This is the ability to grasp the scriptures, which is the instrument that the Holy Spirit uses to teach you. But here's the problem. Most young people, not all, but most young people are not interested in learning and knowing anything that will last forever. They just don't want to hear that. They're interested in the here and now. Like, how can I get it right now? You know, video games, social media, which is destroying people, by the way, TV shows, electronic devices, and so on. 
Most American young people, not all, but most American young people don't know what it's like to have a major crisis in their hands. They just don't have a clue. If they're hungry, you know what they do? They call mom and say, there's nothing to eat. They open their refrigerator. If they don't see something that they can stick in the microwave and have a hot meal in less than five minutes, they say there's nothing to eat. It's not that there's nothing to eat there. They're just too lazy to prepare something. I think I'm going to get crucified by the young people by the end of this. <laughs> now notice that these words are plain words, simple words. Proverbs 8, 7, and 8 says, For my mouth shall speak truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing forward or perverse in them. So, since understanding implies departing from, from everything and anything that is sinful and wicked, it's not surprising at all that many people have trouble understanding. I don't know if you noticed that. And you know, where you, you know they're in the presence of an, an immature Christian when you try to warn them about the dangers and the snares of the devil, and they ignore what you tell them, and they go on and do their own thing. To receive the instruction of wisdom, the instruction of wisdom, which, which wisdom will, this wisdom will give you the ability to, to be sensitive. You know, the more time you spend in the book, the more sensitive you will become about the things of God. Real wisdom enables the recipient to accept and receive chastisement when he or she is out of the will of God. If you are out of the will of God and a brother or a sister comes alongside asking you to come back, it's because they love you and they miss you. And they want to see you fellowshipping with the people of God. If you're staying away from church, it's not because you're spending time doing great Bible studies or witnessing to people. It's because you're doing your own thing. And if you get upset because a brother or a sister calls you and asks you why it is that you're missing church, that is a good indication that you're not mature in your Christianity. And you shouldn't get upset. If we call you or somebody calls you, it's because they love you. Proverbs 3, I'm sorry, Proverbs 1, verse 3 and 4 says, To receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and, and judgment, and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young men, knowledge, and discretion. To understand justice, this indicates the discernment of what is right and wrong. That is, that's, that is simple. There are no gray areas here. I, I always wonder why is it that people are trying to justify things, but there are no gray areas here. And when you start to make excuses, you're making accommodations to justify something that will only satisfy your sinful flesh. Next, we have this word judgment. How do we understand judgment? You do that by applying the wisdom that you have learned. And you can only attain this wisdom by accepting and receiving instruction from people who care and love you. In this case, the, the wisdom is the wisdom of God. It's God himself who wants you to have this wisdom, and it's available to you if you want it. The way you receive it is by having a simple mind, a simple heart, 
and you must be willing to invest the time that it takes to get this. You don't get this overnight. It's a, it's a consistent process and you have to keep at it. There's no way to get it just by putting your Bible underneath the pillow and expecting that everything that is in that book will get through the duck feathers and into your head. It doesn't work that way. To have the ability to judge implies that a true wise man will draw and should be able to draw proper judgment on the issue by discriminating the difference between the issues that you have at hand. You know, what is it that you need to work with? You know, you, you got to apply wisdom. And although our Lord warns us to judge not that ye be not judged in Matthew 7 verse 1, Paul received further revelation in matters of judging in 2 Corinthians 2 verse 5 and a mature Christian should be able to judge all things concerning spiritual matters. Again, that applies to people who have grown in the faith. Now more than ever, the wisdom of God is needed. We encourage all Christians, young and not so young, to get in the book and learn about it. Learn about this great and awesome God of creation who is interested in saving your soul. And then we have this word equity. What is equity? This implies the ability for the mature Christian to be able to tell two, two things that are balanced, when they are balanced, and when they are not. We're living in the days when everybody is demanding equality. You know, they, everybody wants equal pay for everybody, equal treatment for everybody. And on a human level, there is no equality. Because God has made us all different, and we all have different capacities. A talented and hard-working man should not be forced to pay more taxes simply because he has the ability to make money. On the contrary, he should be rewarded because he's putting people to work, and he is making a difference in the community. Biblical wisdom, wisdom will tell you that equity will look at a man who is lazy and has no desire to improve in life, he doesn't deserve to receive anything from those who work. It's just not right. So you don't work, you don't eat. To be blunt, if you're lazy and don't want to go to work, you need to starve to death. Next we have to give subtlety to the simple. This is the prudence and discretion which usually comes with the passing of time. My, my grandpa used to say that to be young is like, it's almost like being sick. Because you can't see what's out there. You don't have the ability to see that. And the thing with young people is that they don't listen. You try and try and try and they don't, they, it's not that they don't get it, they refuse to listen. But this wisdom is available for any young man or woman who wants it. It is there. It is available. First Timothy 4 verse 12 says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in words, in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. I think Tate has a, ch a shirt like that that he displays it everywhere he goes. Right? Good man. To have knowledge and discretion, general knowledge is, is nothing more than a huge warehouse full of information. 
You know, lots of information without wisdom doesn't do you any good. I'm always, I'm not impressed, you know, when I meet someone on the streets because I, I like to be active in my witness. And every time I get a chance, I try to witness. I don't care how wealthy they are or how good they look, I just go for it. But I'm very surprised sometimes that people use very high, very intellectual words to, to talk. You know, it's almost like you have to carry a dictionary to look up every other word they say because you don't understand what they're saying. You know? Speak American, be simple, speak English. It's not a bad thing to be highly educated and it's not a bad thing to know big and fancy words. But don't expect everybody to understand what you're saying if you use highly sophisticated language to communicate. Not everybody speaks that way. Knowledge without wisdom is like a train traveling on a, at a high rate of speed without anyone behind the controls. It doesn't help you. It's like religion without salvation. It's useless. That's like praying to a rock, expecting to get an answer. It's not going to happen. Knowledge without discretion sometimes will do more harm than good. If you want proof of that, sit on your recliner in the morning and watch the morning news and look at them. Verse 5 says, A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. Those who refuse the greatest counsel available will suffer in this life and in the next life. When someone tells you about the Lord Jesus Christ and try to, to, to bring you to the things of God and to see that there is hope if you will only trust in Christ and you refuse that, that gift of eternal life that you are turning down is going to cost you your soul. The counsel in here is the word of God. And for a young man, this is the best thing you can do to watch, listen, and learn from older people, older men, those who have experience in life and care about you. It's sad that our culture has lost the capacity to talk without using profanity. You know, even in, 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 in professionals in the workplace have a filthy mouth. You know, I, I always wonder how is it possible these people running these huge corporations, they talk like drunken sailors. No offense if we have any sailors here. But it has become a normal thing. This type of behavior has poisoned our young people in our communities. And I'm afraid that even in, in churches, you know, sometimes every now and then you hear filthy language coming from Christians. I always wonder why. The thing that will clean that, that language is, is the Word of God. If you turn to Psalm 119, verse 9. And there we read, Psalm 119, verse 9, Beth, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Yes, the Bible will clean your language and every area of your life that needs improvement. And the beauty about this is that it's timeless. You can come into it at any time. You know, whenever you're ready, they say. But of course, you'll never be ready, so get in today. Yes, you can save yourself a lot of headaches if you would just get in the book early in life. The earlier you get into it, the less headaches you will experience as you go through life.
But if you have wasted many years serving the devil, you can start today. You know, I was, th- I was saved when I was 36 years old. And based on what I have learned so far from the Bible, I can tell you that there's nothing better than to put God first in everything you do in life. And yes, you can learn many things from older people, but it's also important to, to keep in mind that not every gray head out there is a sign of wisdom. You know, there's a lot of old fools out there. Verse 6. To understand the proverb and their interpretation, the, word, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. To be lazy in your studies concerning the word of God is like being crippled. Physically crippled. Because you, you can't defend what you believe when you don't know. You can claim it, but you can't defend it. How can you explain what you're trying to project when somebody who doesn't know anything of the Bible, you know, the Bible tells us that we need to be ready to give an answer to anyone who wants to know. But if you don't know it, how can you explain it? How much you learn and grow in the, in the knowledge of God depends on how much time you spend in the book. You have been, if you have been a Christian for many years and don't know anything about the Word of God, you have no one to blame by yourself. Every new Christian begins like a baby, just like a little baby, knowing basic things, having a hard time understanding difficult doctrines, trying to make the connections as you read your Bible. That is, that's how every Christian begins, like a baby. But just like a baby, you know, babies don't say babies. They grow up. Eventually, they, they learn to get rid of milk and they go on to eat meat. You know, they get out of diapers. They stop throwing up on themselves. And they learn to speak. So as Christians, we need to learn this, to speak the language of the Bible, the Word of God. Gold nuggets and diamonds are very costly. Where's Jason again? Somewhere in here. It's difficult. The Bible has a lot of very hard things to learn. Very difficult. And you cannot learn it just by glancing at the Bible, just by looking at it and reading it every now and then. It's just not, it just won't work. The Word of God is available to anyone who wants it in America. But God didn't scatter diamonds and precious jewels for you to stumble and trip over them. The study of the Word of God deserves all the time and all the energy that you can master. John MacArthur had said in one of his sermons that a Christian who reads a verse in the Bible here and there is like a tiny woodpecker pecking on a giant redwood tree. The bark on some of those trees is about two inches thick, or thicker sometimes, in some cases. That means that that tiny woodpecker will never get through the bark, which means he will never have a taste of that tree. You just have to work at it. John 5.39 says, Search the scriptures, for in them you think that you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. If you think you're going to heaven simply because you walked an aisle or you got baptized, you need to think again. You know many people do that and still end up in hell? 
lot of people do that. They just pretenders. They hang around the people of God, but they're not the real thing. They're just hanging around. If you find the Bible to be a dry book to read, a boring book to read, or if you find that the sermons that our pastor preaches are boring or way too long, it is possible that you don't see the treasure that is right there in front of you. You know the real treasure in your Bible is Jesus Christ. Verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord. Fear is the one thing that will keep you alive in many cases. You know, if you're not afraid of anything, chances are you're going to die young. You always know that you're in the presence of a fool when you try to witness to someone and they start up listening, they start to insult you and making fun of the message that you're trying to present. Just walk away. When you find someone who has no fear of God, you have found someone who is dumber than a rock. A person who fears God will always suffer. You'll be despised by the world because we're running against a system that is satanic, has satanic influence. And if you're vocal and you walk with the Lord, you just have to be prepared and be ready because you will be rejected. To fear the Lord is to have the wisdom and to have the wisdom of God is to know Jesus Christ. Your attitude in your Christian life can be measured on two ways. How much you love him is demonstrated on how much you know about him. You know, you can't love someone you don't know. It's, it's just not that. You can't do it. Whatever it is that consumes your life is what you love the most. A self-examination of your Christian life will show how much you have matured from the day you got saved until now. So the question is obvious. How much do you know the Lord? In 1976, in the city of Detroit, Michigan, a pastor named M.S. Lockridge. I don't know how many of you know about Lockridge. Anyhow, he preached a sermon titled, That's My King. And towards the end of that sermon, he went on to emphasize many of the attributes of God and how beautiful it is to truly know the Lord Jesus Christ. And as he was describing the Lord, he kept saying, I wonder if you know him today. You know. One of the beautiful things about technology is that you can access information and I was looking for something good to present to you and I found this. I could never take credit for this because it's just great. So let me, let me read a few lines from that sermon and I'll be done. Quote, the Bible says that my king is a seven-way king. He's the king of the Jews. That's a racial king. He's the king of Israel. That's a national king. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. He said, that's my king. I wonder if you know him. David said, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. My king is a sovereign king. 
no means of measure can define his, his limited love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his shoreless supply. No barrier can hinder him from pouring out his blessings. His enduringly strong, his enduringly strong, his entirely sincere, his eternally steadfast, his immortally graceful, his imperially powerful, his impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's the son of God. He's, the sin, he's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands in the solitude of himself. He's awesome. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's loftiest. He's the loftiest idea in literature. He is the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in highest criticism. He is the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the cardinal necessity of spiritual religion. He's the miracle of the age. He's the superlative of everything good that you choose to call him. He's the only one qualified qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the, for the tempted and the tried. He, he sympathizes with, he sympathizes and saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the, the, the elder. He rewards the diligent and he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him today. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the doorway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His light is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His, lo his love never, never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy. And his burden is light. Then he said this, I wish I could describe him to you. But he is indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He is invisible. Invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't get him out of your hand. He can't outlive him. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him, death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Then again he said, I wish I could describe him to you. You know, when I heard that the first time, I said, boy, there's a man who has really matured in his Christian life. You know, but then I went back, I, I heard that sermon again, and he said, I wish I could describe him to you. After saying all those beautiful things, you know, it's incredible that the more you get out of that book, the more you realize that you don't know anything. Yes, the Lord is all that. 
much more. In Philippians 1, verse 21, Paul said, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. You know, the greatest Christian that has ever walked on this earth sounded sometimes like a suicidal maniac. And without knowing the background, you would think that Paul has, had lost his mind because he was never concerned about his safety. He always went to places and always got in trouble everywhere he went. And uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he talks about an experience he had in the city of Derby. And you can read that account on Acts chapter, chapter 14. But you know, to, to, to sum this up, a man who fears God doesn't have time to really be afraid of anything. You'll do anything and go anywhere and witness for the Lord. Paul was stunned to death and dragged out of the city. And when he came to life again, he got up and instead of saying, boy, this is hard. People don't like me around here. Oh, no, not Paul. He got up and went back to the city to the very people that had just tried to kill him. I think that if we could see Paul, we would see multiple scars all over his body. He never complained. He never even thought about quitting. He never gave up. But that's because I think that he, he, he had reached maturity in his Christian life. Full maturity is what allows a Christian to endure anything and have the desire to put the Lord first. I always wonder, you know, on our Wednesday evenings Bible study, I wonder sometimes, why is it that we can't get our people to attend our Wednesday evening class? I'm always puzzled about that. You know, what, what is it that people do that they're so busy and they don't have time for the Lord? I tried to do my part. I can't really stick my nose in other people's business, but I think that as Christians, if we put the Lord first, we could avoid a lot of headaches in life. And I'm done. If you don't know the Lord, we would love to tell you about him and show you from the scriptures that the best definition of wisdom is none other than Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, once again for the privilege to preach your word. Father, pray for our pastor and Pam. Pray that you will allow them to get through this somehow, Lord, and that he'll get back here. Pray for Lucy Rillo, Lord, and his health uh, problems that he's experiencing. We also pray for John Harrison. Help us, Lord, to be faithful to you and be back on Sunday to get some more. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronan Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www dot bbaptist dot org